Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? I think it would be appropriate to honor our veterans. If you have served our country in any capacity, would you honor us by standing so we can recognize you? Could we have... Okay. Thank you. We're in Lesson 5 of a series we're calling Messy, and I'm just going to have to tell you, I, I, I've, got, I've got to do one more week. I've got to do next week for me. So if you want to come and listen to me preach to me next week, you're more than welcome. And uh, I, I guess I've probably never had uh, so many people ask me the week before a lesson what I was going to be preaching on since I told you last week what I was going to be preaching on. Some folks wanted to know the specifics because I said we'd be talking about messy church. And so people are like, so many people, are you going to put my picture up on the deal? Yes, I am. I have randomly selected people and I'm just going to throw your picture up there. I'm just kidding. So many people have said, do I need to wear some kind of armor, some kind of bulletproof vest? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not planning on that. I just want to talk about messy church because I think we all know church can sometimes get messy. Some of y'all have been in church a lot longer than I have. And some of y'all have been in church long enough to know that church can get messy. We've all got messy, bad church experiences. We see it and we experience it. So today my goal for the sermon is this. I just want to acknowledge the messy church. I don't want to sweep it under the carpet. I don't want to pretend like it's not there. I, I want to get messy out in the open. So, you know, you can stare at a messy room and it doesn't make it go away. And you can throw it all in the closet, but it, the mess is still there until you deal with the mess. For example, when I went to Oklahoma Christian University back in a long time ago, um, we would have room checks every week. That may fascinate you, but... The RA would come to our room every week and our rooms had to be clean or they would write us up. Now, what was interesting is we could take all of our mess and just throw it in the closet and somehow close the doors. 
And that was okay. We could have all of our mess in that closet, but as long as the room looked okay. And we had four rooms that shared a common bathroom, and each room rotated being responsible for cleaning the bathroom. So they would come make sure the bathroom was clean, and they would come in your room and make sure your room... You could even sweep it under your bed if you wanted to, as long as the room looked clean. And then as soon as your RA left, you just opened the door to your closet, and you just spring-loaded, and all your dirty laundry came out. Or there were those who just kept their dirty laundry in there and you never wanted to smell those closets. Sometimes churches do the same thing. We cram our mess in a closet and pretend like everything's clean. So today I'm opening the doors. And I'm going to open the closet. And we're going to do messy church. Now, why do we want to do that? I just want to acknowledge the mess. I want us to be more effective. I want us to reach more people. I want us to be a healthier church. And I want to say this. I've had more fun preparing this lesson than probably the majority of lessons that I've ever prepared. And I want to tell you this. I would preach this lesson at any church in the nation without hesitation. Baptist, Methodist, Churches of Christ. I would preach this anywhere else. So I thought, well, why can't I preach it here? So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to keep it light. And we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. And hopefully you'll enjoy this. But I want you to know this, this mess is not unique to our church. This mess is not unique to Baptist or Methodist. or This mess is everywhere in churches. This mess goes all the way back to the scripture I read in Mark chapter 10. This mess has been around a long time. So I picked some messy behavior that you see in church. So we'll just have a little fun with this. Let's do number one. Messy behavior one. I'm going to take my ball and go home. You've seen it on the playground. Isn't that a great picture? You've seen it on the playground. Somebody brings the football or basketball, and when they don't get what they want, they just take their ball and go home. Game over. And you're like, what do we do? You see that in churches sometimes. I'm going to take my ball and go home. I call it ransom behavior. You know what ransom behavior is. You've watched enough TV to know what that is. Someone gets kidnapped and the kidnappers call and and they say, if you give us what we want, and they hold people ransom. People do that in church too. If you give us what we want and they hold the church ransom, And they hold the leadership ransom. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. If you do whatever we ask, we'll stay here. And they hold the church ransom. And a lot of times, a lot of times the reason the church can't move forward is because people hold the church Ransom. Can you imagine giving a child everything they ask for? James and John, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we want you to give us whatever we ask. Do you give your children everything they ask? You know what you call kids that you give everything they ask? They are spoiled brats. You know that. And when you give people in church everything they ask, it gets messy. And we're going off in all different kinds of directions. Messy church. Now, here's what you need to realize. People who say, give us whatever we ask, or we'll leave. They're not leaving the church. 
they'll go to some other church and hold that church ransom. They're not leaving the church. They're not leaving the faith. They just want to be messy and they hold the church ransom. But if you don't do what we ask, then we're keeping our money and we're walking out the door and we're doing those things. Kind of interesting. I would venture to say that in 30 plus years of ministry, people like this don't leave churches for two reasons. One, because they get what they ask for. Hey, if, if you don't do what we ask, okay, fine, we just want you to say we'll give you whatever you want. Number two, they just like to threaten to get what they want. These people are always in the... We're just having a little fun here. These people are always in the minority. I mean, if 99% of the church came forward and said, if you don't give us what we ask, okay, that's one thing. But you realize if 10% of the church, which in a congregation of 400, that'd be 40. So we don't have 40. If 1%, that would be four. We usually have four or five people. It's in any church. It's in any church. They've done research that most of the time you have church problems, it's because of four or five people who hold the church ransom. If you don't do what we ask, you take my ball and go home. Kind of interesting, don't you think? So how do you respond to children when they want everything? You say, no. Have you ever told your kids no? It's okay to say no. Because we don't want our kids to be spoiled brats. And it's okay for elders to say no. And it's okay for deacons to say no. And it's okay for you to hear the word no. Because no helps you grow. And no helps you be more mature. Did James and John get what they asked for? No. No. When people get mad at church and want to take their ball and go home, I'm just saying... I'll give you research. Maybe the best answer is, bye. Go hold another church ransom. Just saying. Messy behavior number two. We'll call this uh, bullying. You know there's bullies in the church. You do know there's bullies in the church. Surely you've seen the bully stuff going on with, I hate to say, Richie incognito from the Miami Dolphins. We're not related, just same name. He spells it wrong, so see, we're really not related. Bullying going on in the NFL, you're like, yeah, you expect that. Bullying in the church, I don't expect that. But there's bullying that goes on in the church. I'll say we call this um, people who desire position and power. Position and power. Jesus says greatness in the kingdom is not in position, Greatness in the kingdom is not in power. Greatness in the kingdom is in serving. Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You want to be great today? Serve. But there's bullies in the church, emotional bullies, that want to be in leadership positions, whether that's elders or deacons or ministry or ministry leaders, that they want the position so they can have the power so they can bully people. It's across the board in churches. You see it all over the place. Jesus says that power comes from the position of serving. Let's go to behavior number three. I call this one turf wars. Turf wars. People who want special privileges is what it is. James and John come to Jesus. Hey, can one of us sit on your right and one of us sit on your left? 
Can we have special privileges? I mean, we deserve special privileges. I mean, I've been going to church here for a long time. I mean, my family's been going here to church a long time. I mean, my family goes way back in the church. And I want special privileges. My parents, my dad, my mom, my second cousin, sister's husband. So I deserve special privileges. I want to sit on the left and on the right. And we start getting these turf wars in church with attitudes like, this is my church, this is my area, this is my ministry, this is my position, this is my budget, this is my glory, this is mine. Turf wars. Number four, messy behavior is what I call, you can't really see it, it says messy behavior. Number four, I want the attention. I want the attention. James and John said, hey Jesus, forget about those ten guys. We want the attention. There's always people in church that want attention. There's always people in church that want attention. They crave the spotlight. They covet the spotlight. They have to have. The entire emphasis of this passage is not about me. It's about others. You're not supposed to crave the attention. You're supposed to crave the attention for others. We're supposed to be putting other people in the spotlight. And yet church gets real messy when it's all about me, 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 me. Number five, we'll just keep rolling because you're not having near as much fun as I am. There's always people in the church that want a free lunch. You know why you go out to eat? A lot of y'all will go out to eat today. You know why you go out to eat? Because you don't want to cook the meal. I want somebody to do it for me. I'm willing to pay somebody to do it for me. So we go to restaurants because we don't want to cook. We go to restaurants because we want to be served. We want everybody to do something for us. Mark chapter 10, even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, even the Son of God, even Jesus Christ, even the Son of Man, the one person who deserved to be served, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. But a lot of people come to church to be served. Hey, I'm here and you need to serve me. I put money in the plate. You need to serve me. You know why the church sometimes gets messy? Because nobody wants to do the work. We're going to be talking about that in January. I think everybody ought to be involved in the work somehow. I think everybody that walks through the doors ought to be a servant. And we ought to hook them up in some way. And we'll talk more about that. Again, this isn't unique to our church. You can go down the road. You can talk to your Baptist friends. You can talk to your Methodist friends. You can talk to your Catholic friends. This isn't even unique to church. You see this at work. You see this at home. This behavior exhibits itself in all different kinds of ways. Listen, all five of these behaviors, we all have these. I'm not pointing fingers. I have some of these. It's called human nature, and that's why it gets messy. But I just want to acknowledge the mess. I just want to open the closet doors. I just want to get it all out there. This is us, and this is why church gets messy. Now, you know what's missing from all of these attitudes, from all of these behaviors? Look at Philippians 2. Do we have that one ready, Scott? I highlighted some things. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with His Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Just leave that up there for a second, Scott, so we can stare at that. You know what's missing sometimes in church? There's no encouragement, no tenderness, no compassion, no unity, no love, no selflessness, no interest in others, no attitude like Jesus. This is missing in churches, and that's why church gets messy. Again, the entire emphasis of this passage in Mark chapter 10 is other people. I think the main thing that is missing is we don't play well together. We all just want to take our ball and go home. We don't play well together. We don't play as a team. We are a body. We are a team. So I got to thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm, I thought, let me bring some jerseys because what jerseys could I bring that would represent how we need to be unified? So I thought, you know, surely everybody here is a Dallas Mavericks fan, right? And if you're not, go ahead and clap. Okay, we've got some people like that. Maybe if we all just wore a Dallas Mavericks jersey, we would all get along because we're on the same team. But there's some folks that don't like the Dallas Mavericks, right? So I thought, you know, if, if there's really one thing that would unite us as a team... If we all wore an Oklahoma jersey, and then we would all be one. You know, we had a little fun with that, but I got to thinking, I wonder if there's some identifying mark. I wonder if there's some jersey. I wonder if there's something that we could put on that would illustrate how we need to be a team. I wonder what that would be. I wonder what we could, what umbrella we could fall under so that we could all be united wouldn't that be the cross? Shouldn't that make us like-minded? Shouldn't that enable us to get along? Shouldn't the cross of Jesus, when we partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday, shouldn't that bring us together? Shouldn't that unify us? Shouldn't we be wearing the same jersey, if you will? Because it's all about team. And when it's not team and when we don't work together, church gets messy. Church gets messy. So, um, to illustrate that we need to be a team, maybe you've already seen this. I've got a video I want us to watch to illustrate that we need to be a team. Let's watch this video. We end tonight with the football play of the month. It was executed with amazing precision by the Eagles, the Olivet Eagles. Steve Hartman has the play and the post-game analysis on the road. Between classes, they schemed and conspired. For weeks, the football players here at Olivet Middle School in Olivet, Michigan, secretly planned their remarkable play. Did anybody go, this is a crazy idea? No, everyone was in on it. But, like, the coaches didn't know anything about it. So we were, like, going behind their back. I've just never heard of a team coming up with a plan to not score. It's just like to make someone's day, make someone's week, just make them happy. The play, which was two plays actually, happened at a home game earlier this month. The first part of their plan was to try to get as close to the goal line as possible without scoring, even if it meant taking a dive on the one-yard line, which it did. The crowd was not happy. Quarterback Parker Smith. But us kids knew, hey... We got this. This is our time. This is Keith's time. 
Keith Orr is the little kid in the brown jacket. He's learning disabled, struggles with boundaries, but in the sweetest possible way. Because of his special nature, it's no surprise that Keith embraces his fellow football players. What is surprising is how they have embraced him. Hello. We thought it'd be cool to do something for him. Because we really wanted to prove that he was part of our team and he meant a lot to us. Nothing can really explain getting a touchdown when you've never had one before. Which brings us to part two of their play. If you didn't see Keith, it's because they were so protective of him. But he was in the middle of that rush. And when you crossed the goal line, what was that like? Awesome. <laughs> it was like, did he just score a touchdown? Get your <laughs> camera out. I'm like, ah, oh, then I can't. Keith's parents, Carrie and Jim, almost missed the moment, but they got the significance. Somebody's always going to have his back from now until the day he graduates. She's right. When the football team decides you're cool, pretty much everyone follows suit. Today, Keith is a new kid, although by no means was he the only one who was profoundly changed. What was it like for you? It was like, like once I saw him going, I was smiling like about like here. Wide receiver, Justice Miller. Like, nothing could wipe that smile off my face. Why did it affect you so much? Because, like, he's never been, like, cool or popular. And he went from being, like, pretty much a nobody to making everyone's day. Justice admits the play wasn't his idea. I would have not really thought about that. He says it never crossed his mind to give Keith any glory. Well, I kind of went from being somebody like, mostly cared about myself and my friends to caring about everyone and trying to make everyone's day in everyone's life. Which may just make that touchdown the most successful football play of all time. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Olivet, Michigan. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I think the one thing we need here at Pine Tree is we need to be a team. We have so many competing ministries, silo ministries, and and these folks are working this way, and these folks are working this way, and these folks are working this way, and these that we're not a team and we're not functioning together. And there's a lot of good things that are going on, but we're not a team. So I've got two questions that we need to ask today. Question number one, maybe this will help us. Do I have the attitude of Jesus? In the midst of your behavior, stop yourself and say, do I have the attitude of Jesus? If somebody is exhibiting the behaviors that we listed, just ask them, are you exhibiting the attitude of Jesus right now? You're like, well, I couldn't do that. If somebody's bullying you, if somebody's out of line, if somebody's wanting special treatment, if there's turf wars going on, all we have to say is, is this really the attitude of Jesus? You say, well, Richie, that would stop me or them in their tracks. Exactly. Because we're a team and we fall under the cross and we're supposed to be working together. Question number two, what can I do to help? That's what team players do. What can I do to help? Start asking that at your home and it'll change your home environment. Start asking that in your marriage and it'll change your marriage environment. Start asking that of your children and it'll change the environment. Children need to ask that of their parents. It'll change. You start asking that at work. It'll change the environment. If elders start asking that question, it'll change the environment. If deacons start asking that question, it'll change the environment. If staff starts asking that question, if ministry leaders, if we start asking that question, what can I do to help? I'm not thinking about me anymore. What can I do to help you? And the misbehavior goes away. And the messy church goes away because we're a team and we want to do whatever we can to build one another up. Messy church. Every church is messy. It's messy because we're people. It's messy because we're humans. It's messy because we sin. It's messy because we're arrogant. It's messy because we have pride. It's messy because we want. Church is messy. It's going to be messy. But it will be less Messy, if we start acting more like Jesus and serving other people, let's make messy church go away. And let's start playing well together and being a team. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today because in the midst of our mess, we have no hope in the midst of our mess. But in the midst of Jesus... And when we come to the cross, we have all the hope in the world. So will you put your hope in Jesus today? Will you put your trust in Jesus today? Will you give your life to Jesus today? If you've never been baptized, will you put your hope in the salvation that you hope for in Jesus Christ? If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.